Welcome to the Mariners cast from Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is July 7th, about noon. Uh, Mariners have a day off today. We'll play the San Diego Padres Tuesday and Wednesday. But the Mariners are coming off a four-game sweep of the division rival Los Angeles Angels over the weekend. On today's Mariners cast, we will uh, cover the last two games, Saturday and Sunday, the pitching performances from George Kirby and Bryce Miller. Uh, talk a little bit about how the teams performed over the last seven seven games or so. Uh, discuss the American League West and whether the Mariners have a shot at winning the American League West. And then ask the question if uh, if we believe that the Mariners have a shot at winning the World Series or at least going deep in the playoffs and talk about why or why not. So Mariners are now 60 and 52, believe it or not. Six games behind the Rangers and three and a half games behind the Astros uh, for second place. They are two and a half games out of the wild card, have uh, since jumped both the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox in the wild card standings. They are right behind um, for the third wild card spot. They are two games ahead of the Yankees and two and a half again uh, ahead of the Red Sox. Mariners have a plus 47 run differential now and are eight and two in their last 10. So Saturday, it was uh, George Kirby against Tyler Anderson. The Angels obviously are in a bit of a tailspin. Went pretty much all in dealing their number one prospect, Edgar Carroll, and their top pitching prospect, Kai Bush, to bring in veterans uh, reinforcements to make a big playoff push in an an attempt to woo uh, Shohei Otani back to the Angels in the offseason. Since then, the Angels have just really bottomed out. Uh, Mariners took advantage of this on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday was a 3-2 win by the Mariners. George Kirby pitched incredibly well. Uh, they had a 2-1 lead after three innings, tacked on an extra run in the eighth, which proved to be necessary as the Angels scored a run off of Andres Munoz in the ninth. Uh, Julio Rodriguez was the offensive star in this game, going three for four with two RBIs and a run. He did have a caught stealing uh, in this game. That particular time on base should have been a stolen base. The umpire got in the way of the uh, arm swing of the catcher and and Julio had that bag stolen with a really, really good jump. So he had to go back to first and then was caught in the subsequent attempts. Um, why I bring this up is Julio Rodriguez showed more anger uh, when he was brought back to first because of the umpire than I've ever seen from him. And, uh, I love to see the intensity. I think a player like Julio, who is positive and um, sometimes annoyingly so, can that can actually grate on teams and fans at times um, because you want to see the player go through some of the more ups and downs and experience the the frustration, the anger that you may as a fan or that even teammates may have. Um, and he did continue to stay positive throughout his slumps earlier in the year. And while I think overall that's a positive, you do want to see that anger sometimes, at least I do. 
And so the intensity that he showed when the stolen base was taken away was, I think was great. Um, it shows that he's a human being. It shows that there's balance. And uh, I think it's a very good sign for him uh, as a leader moving forward. And also just kind of, I don't know, as a, as a relatable uh, player for the fans. Really, there wasn't a whole lot of note on the offensive side. Um, George Kirby was the other star in this game. Uh, Ty France did have an RBI single in the eighth to drive in Julio. And that was, again, as I said, an important run. And then in the bottom of the eighth, JP Crawford had a gorgeous uh, double play, started a gorgeous double play in which he dove uh, and on a, on a grounder and uh, tossed the ball to second base with the glove. Um, Just a really important double play in the grand scheme of things and a beautiful play from JP. I want to give him his props when he does make good plays because I have trashed on his defense a bit this year. Uh, But again, pitching really carried the day. Uh, George Kirby in this game went seven innings, three hits, one run, no walks, five strikeouts, 96 pitches thrown, moved to 10 and eight with the win in a 3-3-2 ERA. Uh, Matt Brash got his 15th hold, one inning, one hit. And Andres Munoz did give up a run, two hits, two walks two strikeouts, but picked up his fifth save. Uh, Kirby threw first pitch strikes to 17 of the 24 batters he faced. Uh, The one run that he gave up was uh, a solo home run to Randall Gritchick in the third. It was pretty predictable when you look at the sequence and the location that uh, Gritchick had an opportunity to hit this ball hard. First pitch to Gritchick was outside, um, about belt high. It's a fastball. But this sinker that Gritchick ended up hitting out for a home run was 96, but um, was move, it was middle-middle, kind of upper, I guess, the upper half of the strike zone, but in the middle of the plate. And with Kirby's sinker, as we know, it's got a lot of that two-seam movement and was moving into the strike zone, towards the middle of the strike zone as it was approaching. George Kirby likes throwing his pitch. I think it's a very effective pitch for him, but it needs to be in on the hands, either inside rail or further inside. And he just left this one too much in the middle of the plate. So one mislocation for Kirby, one big mislocation for Kirby was this solo home run. Outside of that, he was lights out. Um, and then Matt Brash again came in and George Kirk, or excuse me, Andres Munoz faltered slightly, uh, but picked up the save. I do want to point out that uh, that Munoz, sorry, scrolling the notes here, that Munoz has pitched a lot recently. And um, again, he's a two-time uh, Tommy John survivor. I think, he, you know, he's been hurt off and on for the Mariners. Even these past couple of seasons, they've had to give him some rest at times when they didn't want to. And with Paul Seawald being dealt, Watching uh, Munoz's usage is really going to be really, really important, I think, um, to keep him upright. And over the past, uh, let's see here, I have this somewhere. Over the past, I believe over the past nine games, he's pitched six times, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And I believe five out of the last seven games. And that makes me nervous because he 
again, he's been off injured. And I think, yeah, so four out of the last seven and six out of the last nine for Munoz. Um, his velocity on Saturday was down on the fastball average, 1.3 miles an hour and down 1.9 miles an hour on the sinker. The spin on the four-seamer was down 338 RPMs over his yearly average, which is a ton. But uh, Matt Brash's uh, spin was also down. So it might have been something with the weather, how to impact their grip. Could have been that they were using less or a different substance to be able to grip the ball. I know that sounds weird, but it's what what goes on. Uh, but just watch Munoz, watch his velocity, watch his spin, watch his use, because um, he's an important piece to this team. And the reason why I think the Mariners felt comfortable dealing Seawald, but he is a little bit of a Ferrari in that he can break down sometimes. And uh, so just keep an eye on those things. Brash in this game, uh, again, his slider was actually down almost 500 RPMs, which is a huge dip. Uh, the velo was down slightly on the slider, but it was way up on the fastball. He was all the way up to averaging 99.8 on his four-seamer, up from a 98-mile-an-hour average. So I don't know if it's if it was – it might have been intentional on Matt Brash's part to um, to not try to spin that slider so much. Uh, because clearly the arm strength was there with the four seam increase. Um, but just interesting to watch those numbers go up and down. Uh, Brash averaging 100 miles an hour coupled with the other pitches he has is just bananas. Uh, so again, the Mariners win 3-2. Uh, really, the two stars of this game were Julio Rodriguez and uh, George Kirby. There wasn't a lot of other hitting to speak of. Dylan Moore went two for four uh, with a run, but that's about it. So Ameris took that game on Saturday that gave them three games uh, of the first three against the Angels. So they'd already won the series coming into Sunday. Sunday's matchup was Chase Silseth um, for the Angels' first-round pick in 21 versus Bryce Miller for the Mariners' uh, fourth-round pick in 21. Fun matchup. Both pitchers were absolutely dealing in this game. Uh but the Mariners came out ahead again, 3-2. Not a ton of offense again. Uh, again, just three runs. J.P. Crawford did lead off the game with the solo home run. This was his 10th on the season. That's a career high. Uh, just, I don't know. Again, when J.P. first came to the Mariners, you thought of him as, you know, a talented hitter who had some speed, was an elite speed, was slightly above average, and was a very good defender. And at this point in J.P. Crawford's career, at least from a numerical and metric standpoint, he is a below average defender who makes spectacular plays sometimes, as he did with that double play on Saturday. So a below average defender with below average major league average speed, but the ability to get on base a ton for a shortstop and uh, to hit for a little bit of power. So like did a complete 180 on his profile or the type of player that he is, which I find fascinating. The JP went one for five. He did have that solo home run to lead off the game. Uh, Julio went two for four. Uh, he did walk once as well. So he was on base three out of the five times he came up. Uh, but most of the offense in this game was provided by uh, Teoscar Hernandez. He went three for four. 
Uh, he did have a solo home run in the seventh to put the Mariners up 2-1. A big home run off of Silseth, who was who was dealing in this game. Uh, so three for four, the solo home run, uh, a walk as well. So Mariners go up 2-1 at that point in time. Or excuse me, uh, tie the game 2-2. Or excuse me, they went up 2-1. The Angels tied 2-2 in the bottom of the seventh. Mariners came back to win in the 10th. Uh, with another run to win 3-2. Uh, offensively, I guess the only other thing I'd like to point out offensively is that, uh, a- again, another moment of Julio Rodriguez contributing to this team or doing things that you don't ordinarily see other players do um, to help the team out. He went from first to third on a wild pitch in the third inning Really, he got to third because the catcher didn't move too quickly or with a sense of urgency to get the ball. And that sort of aggression, I think, serves this team needs. This team needs somebody to light a fire under it often. There's a lot of laid back personalities and Julio doing stuff like that. Uh, I think is really great. Even the attempt. Um, and he, if he would have gotten thrown out, of course, we would have criticized it, but I think that that aggression is necessary and it's the same sort of thing as where you see him track down balls in the, in the gap um, that a a lot of other center fielders wouldn't get to. He contributes on so many levels and uh, outside of the numbers. So I wanted to point that out because I thought that was a a pretty big deal, but offensively, that's about it. It was JP's home run. It was tails home run. Um, And then the story of the game was the pitching. So, Bryce Miller, five innings, five hits, one run, no walks, 10 strikeouts. So 10 strikeouts in five innings, two-thirds of his outs were Ks, 85 pitches, 14 of the 20 batters he faced were first pitch strikes. And this was as dominant as I've seen Bryce Miller. I know he had incredible results, specifically in the first five games he pitched, but what he did in this game was um, incredibly impressive to me. Things like a, you know, he struck out Shohei Otani in the fifth inning on uh, an 87 mile an hour slider that was low and in at his feet. And Miller, you know, is that has the type of repertoire that could potentially struggle against left-handed hitting. And I just, he's developing and progressing as a pitcher and maturing as a pitcher right in front of our eyes in very similar ways to Brian Wu. And it's, to me, it's a blast to see. Uh, We'll dig, I guess I'll dig into him now. I was going to save it for later. I'll do it now though. He, so he's still throwing a ton of four seamers in this game. He threw 55% over the, or under the 65% that's been his yearly uh, average, but he's mixing in other stuff. And so you can't quite sit, four-seamer the way that you could in some of his uh, first starts where it was like a 70% usage type pitch. He threw the slider 16% of the time. That's below his uh, his yearly average, but he also threw 11 sinkers. And this is a very new thing for him. He's only thrown 33 on the season now. And so if you think about the movement of a sinker versus a slider, essentially a sinker from a right-hander, or I mean a slider from a right-hander turns left and a sinker turns right. 
Um, that's very simplistic. There are some more kind of vertical stuff. There's more vertical stuff going on as well. But that's basically the thought process is that, you know, if you are a right-handed hitter against Bryce Miller, you know, you're thinking fastball, you're gearing up fastball, you know that the slider or the sweeper could come, but everything is turning, is going away from you, right? And that bat by a righty against Bryce Miller, everything is going away. But as we've seen with the Mariners, with Luis Castillo, with Brian Wu, with George Kirby, and you see this, you've seen this trend across baseball a ton, is if you can get righty to righty, a sinker up and in, and jam that right-handed hitter, it really does keep them off of leaning out over the plate and looking for seamer or specifically looking slider. You you back that player off the that batter off the plate by throwing something that's coming in at a high velocity. And so I think against Bryce Miller, specifically with righties, you know, it was very easy to lean out over the plate and get comfortable against him, except for the fastball up and in, because, but but that's going straight, because he didn't have anything that with movement in towards the hitter. And then versus left-handers, it's the same thing. If you know it's either four seam up and away, or slider down and in, you can target those two quad those two quadrants pretty easy. But you throw in the idea of a sinker where now you've got a ball, a pitch that can tail away from you, it really plants something different in your in your brain. And um I don't think he has to throw a lot of sinkers for it to be a very important pitch in his arsenal. It's it's what um we've been calling for for quite a while now is yes, you can exist for seam slider and you can be a pretty good pitcher. Certainly can be a great reliever for, for seam slider. We, we see that all across baseball, but unless your name, your first name is Spencer or Hunter, you are going to struggle at times because your stuff isn't as good as those guys. And while Bryce Miller has an elite fastball and a very good slider, it's not Hunter green and it's not Spencer Strider. So Adding the sinker to his pitch mix, um, I think, is a big development. It's one that I expected. It's one that we talked about his last start after his last start. But to see him throw 11 of his 85 pitches as sinkers, 13%, um, is cool. And I think is, again, important to to broaden his, his pitch mix. Um, he threw this sinker. He averaged almost 96 miles an hour on it as well. So... Not only is it a different pitch, but it is a another high velocity pitch coming in. Um, his fastball maxed out at 97.9 in this game. That's high for him. Uh, he averaged 96.2 on the fastball on the year. It's been 95. So he was up velocity wise across the board outside of the five changeups he threw. And his spin was up on everything other than the four seamers. So and the four seamers only down slightly. So he had better spin on his breaking stuff and more velocity. So his, his stuff played up a lot more than it has over the past couple of uh, starts. And I think that and the, the new look with the sinker really did elevate uh, Bryce Miller and his performance in this game of note as well. 
So 13 whiffs on 28 swings on the four-seamer, that's 46%. That's phenomenal for a four-seam fastball. Five swings on, or five whiffs on 10 swings with the slider, that's 50%. And overall, a 45% whiff rate. On the season, I don't have it right in front of me, but on the season, I think he was right around 22, maybe, something in that range. And and so to go basically double your whiff rate in this start, his whiff rate was 25-3, which is a half percent higher than league average. That's after this game. Um, so to basically double your yearly average in whiff rate, you know, it's got to be attributed to something. Again, higher velocity, different pitch mix, and introduction introduction of the sinker, I think all contributed. But if this is the Bryce Miller that we are going to get, um, he's going to be really, really, really good. Uh, again, five innings, five hits, one one run, no walks, 10 strikeouts, a different look, a pitch that turns the other way. Um, and it was fun to watch. Uh, I think the Mariners are obvious. I've talked about this before. They're brilliant with regards to pitching. The introduction of this pitch is exactly what Bryce Miller needed in the same way that they helped um, Brian Wu with his pitch mix and introduction of the cutter, uh, the, the splitter with George Kirby. It's just they're smart and it's fun stuff to watch uh, through numbers and um, during the game. So Bryce Miller looked great. Uh, Isaiah Campbell pitched the sixth. Uh, he went one inning, no hits, no runs, no walks, no strikeouts. Justin Topa did the same in the eighth. Tyler Saucedo pitched great two innings, nothing but three Ks. He looked, um, Mariners are very, uh, lucky to have both Saucedo and Spire. I think to having two, super effective lefties out of the bullpen really does change the complexion of the bullpen. I know there's such a thing as righties who are very good on lefties, but it's a luxury, I think, to have in this day and age to have two lefties that are as effective as Spire and Saucedo. And both were basically built out of nothing. Neither of them were successful prior to coming to the Mariners. So again, Mariners have done really well with that. Uh, the other reliever was Tyler uh, Thornton, who came in and pitched the seventh or Trent Thornton, excuse me, not Tyler. Trent Thornton came in and pitched the seventh. He gave up a home run to Matt Tice, lefty, on a sweeper. And it was exactly my comment about uh, sweepers from righties to lefties or two left-handed hitters uh, when we talked about Shohei Otani leading with that sweeper. If you leave a sweeper up as a right-handed pitcher against a lefty, it is coming directly into, if you don't locate it correctly, it is going to to move directly into your happy zone. And you are able to kind of move your hands uh, relative to where you want, move your hands in as the sweeper is coming towards you and sweeper is moving in, which is much easier than reaching out and trying to hit the ball for power. So it's why you don't see a lot of breaking balls in the strike zone from right-handed pitchers to left-handed hitters. And then when you slow it down and you make the movement more horizontal as it is with Thornton to the lefty, it was predictable that he was going to surrender a home run at some point pretty soon to a left-handed hitter. Just the mechanics of how that particular pitch moves um, in towards that left-handed hitter. So he gives up that home run to Tice. 
It is the game tying home run. Um, thankfully for Mariners fans, they were able to uh, come back and win this game. So really fun. These two pitching performances are what highlight were the highlights for me of Saturday and Sunday's games. Uh, pitching is carrying the day as it has really the entire season. Um, the offense is producing a little more. Uh, Julio overall in the season is up to 257, 321, 754 OPS. He's been hot. He also has 18 home runs and 27 steals on the year. Uh, over the past seven games, he does have a 406 on base percentage. Uh, Ty France on the year is below 700 OPS. I think the conversation is going to be uh, interesting, fun. You can dream on it uh, when your team goes shopping for a new first baseman, and I think that's what the Mariners have to do. Um, you cannot have a sub-700 regular first baseman in today's uh, Major League Baseball and be successful. It just doesn't work. Uh, over the last seven games, he is hitting 227, but with an 801 OPS. Uh, Eugenio Suarez has heated up over the past month or so. He has 16 home runs on the season, but 72 RBIs. So he's really pacing out to be that, you know, low 20s home run, 90 to 100 RBI, low average third baseman. But his outs above average, according to Savant, is actually up to the 95th percentile. So he's providing elite defense at third base as well. Um, JP Crawford, 10 homers, triple slash of 263, 379, 787 on base percentage. Your shortstop is getting on base 38% of the time. That's a very big deal. And um, a development that I didn't expect coming into this season. And then Cal Raleigh is doing what you would expect from him, 225 with a 748 OPS and 18 home runs. I think he ends up right around, you know, 23 to 25 home runs on the season. That and plus defense at catcher is um, a ton of production. Then you add in Tom Murphy's production, another eight to 10 home runs, and the Mariners are getting a ton from the catching position. Uh Tail Hernandez, just to mention a couple of other offensive players who have played well over the last seven. Uh, Tail's hitting 360 with a 960 OPS. Cal Raleigh, four home runs, 1,000 OPS. Uh, Cade Marlowe's OPS is 924, and he did have that game-winning Grand Slam off of Carlos Estevez. And then Dylan Moore has picked it up um, over the last seven games. He is four for 12. He played five of those seven, four for 12 with two doubles and a homer and an OPS of 1.135. Josh Rojas is 0-9 in his first three games as a Mariner uh, with three strikeouts. Again, I think I I wonder um, how long they're going to allow him to start at second base against uh, right-handed pitching. And then Mike Ford and Jose Caballero haven't played much in the last seven games as well. I do think it's smart to get Caballero more into what his true role I think should be, which is a short side platoon second baseman who's able to uh, come in for late, late game defense and pinch run. And then Mike Ford as a part-time DH, strong side DH, but part-time um, and then a, a pinch hitter off the bench when you need power. Uh, pitching wise, 
when you look at the Mariners pitching numbers and you compare them to other teams, it's pretty awe-inspiring. Um, you know, you've got Castillo, Kirby, and Gilbert, all of whom are striking out right around a batter per inning. Castillo is at 10.2 Ks per nine, and then Kirby 8.2 and, and Gilbert 8.7. Whips that are no are between 1.05 and 1.07. Um, they all have 130 plus innings so far this season. It's just to have those three starters at the top of your rotation is is an absolute luxury and something to not be taken for granted. Uh, and then Brian Wu and Bryce Miller, as you know, uh, talented, but still ERAs over four, but very talented pitchers who are capable of shutting opposing offenses, offenses down. Matt Brash, when you look at his line, he's given up 45 hits in 47 and two-thirds innings, which you don't expect from him. I talked about this. He has an incredibly high BABIP, over 400. But he struck out 80 batters in 47 and two-thirds innings. That is a 15.1 strikeout per nine number. Um, If Brash can bring the walks down slightly and gets better luck on bad bad balls in play, um, you, we may see one of the more dominant performances, uh, relief performances of all time from Matt Brash over the next couple of years, given his stuff and what he's done. Uh, no other relievers that I really want to talk about of note. We all know where they're at and what they're doing. Again, Mariners are lucky to have Spire and Saucedo together as two lefties. Topa and Brash give the Mariners a really different type of look in the seventh and eighth in high leverage situations. Topa, sinker, slider, Brash big four seamer and, and uh slider. And then Munoz, of course, um, just watch his usage, watch his velocity and, and spin because of the health concerns, uh, at least for me. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about on today's Mariners cast is the Mariners have really increased their uh, playoff odds over the last couple of weeks. And on fan graphs, they are up to, uh, 28.2% to make the playoffs. This is double where it was a couple of weeks ago when it was 14%, 23% to clinch a wild card, um, 5% to clinch a buy, 5.4% to win the division. And Fangraphs has the Mariners as a 1.4% chance to win the World Series. Um, their strength of schedule, uh, moving forward is is uh, 0.499, which is the same as the Astros, but um, lower than uh, the Rangers. So the Mariners, as I said, are six games behind Texas and three and a half games behind Houston, but still have three games in Houston and three games against the Astros at home left on the on the schedule. Uh, the Astros are a pretty similar team from a run differential perspective, uh, plus 65. The Mariners are plus 47. I do think the t- two teams match up pretty well. The addition of Verlander obviously helps them tremendously. And if they can keep Altuve and Alvarez healthy, that's going to be a big deal for them. So, But the Mariners have a shot at catching Houston. I do not think um, second place in the AL West is unattainable. Uh, you're obviously thinking just exclusively about making the playoffs, but would not surprise me to see the Mariners catch Houston. I wouldn't predict it as of right now, but um, I'd say probably 35% chance in my mind. 
Uh, the Mariners have seven games remaining against the Rangers, three at home, four in Texas. It, they are seven of the last 10 games in the season. Uh, the other three are against Houston. Interestingly enough, Mariners are six behind Texas, which sounds like a lot, but you play them seven more times. And I think Texas go will go as far as their team health allows them to. They have issues at times with their um, the health of their starting rotation. Uh, Corey Seager, as great as he's been this season, is an injury waiting to happen at shortstop. He's the opposite of Marcus Simeon, who uh, who will play every game every year, essentially. Uh, obviously, DeGrom is gone with Tommy John. Nathan Eovaldi, who's been their best starter this year, uh, has a strained forearm and has been uh, on the injured list since uh, July 18th. And they do not have, right now, they do not have Jake Odorizzi, who has shoulder surgery. So it's it's a rotation of Scherzer, Montgomery, the two acquisitions, John Gray, Andrew Heaney, and Dane Dunning. And while I think all five of those pitchers are are very good, uh, Heaney is a five-and-dive type of dude. Dunning is pretty much that as well. And, you know, Max Scherzer has been a bit of a roller coaster this season um, as he ages, and he doesn't have the same stuff that he once did. So I don't completely trust their rotation. Their bullpen, while it's been effective and there are some good arms in that bullpen, um, it's not a bullpen that's that would scare me as an opposing uh, hitter necessarily. You've got Will Smith at the end of that bullpen, which is an interesting choice as a an older lefty. They did deal for Aroldis Chapman. He has been very good. Um, but you look up and down that bullpen and you don't see dominance necessarily. That doesn't scare you in the way that other bullpens like the Mariners might. Um, and then offensively, you have, you know, a rookie in Josh Young at third base who's played very well, but I think is still a rookie and has never had this many, uh, played this many games. You have Ezekiel Duran and Leody Tavares playing a bit over their heads. Um, I think Tavares more than Duran. Uh, you've got Travis Jankowski in the lineup hitting sixth, often hitting sixth, and he's been a journeyman at times. And then again, the health of Seeger, I think, is is really going to be what determines whether this team is is great or not because um, he is their best hitter. So, you know, I know that the results have been there for the Rangers, that they're six games up. They're a really good team, not taking that away from them. But the Mariners do have an outside shot at catching them um, because they have better pitching, because uh, the offense is, you know, because the Rangers' offense is built around very much around Corey Seager, and he's not always healthy. Um, do I think the Mariners will catch the Astros or the Rangers? Uh, I wouldn't bet on it, but I do think the Mariners have a very good shot at making a wild card because of the pitching. Uh, and then if the Mariners, I asked this question, if the Mariners get into the playoffs, do they have a shot? And the stock answer, which I very much agree with, is yes, when your starting pitching is as great as the Mariners' starting pitching is, you absolutely have a shot. And when you have a player as talented as Julio Rodriguez, who has the talent and the ability 
to single-handedly carry an offense. Obviously, he would need help. He would need people on base in front of him. He would need to be driven in. But, yeah, I think the, the combination of the top three starters, all three of whom I would feel very comfortable with in a playoff series, potentially uh, Bryce Miller in relief in some form if they still have innings for him, um, Brian Wu maybe even, they might use him for a couple of innings, and then an offense that has a megawatt superstar in Julio Rodriguez, those guys show up in the playoffs. Those guys carry teams in the playoffs, and you know Julio is a big game dude. You know he is. Is he gonna is he gonna not produce sometimes because of his youth? Probably. But the talent is there to carry the offense, specifically on a big stage like the playoffs. Um, the only other player that I think has that kind of talent on this team is Jared Kelnick. And we don't know that he's gonna get back in time. Uh you could say that, you know, Teoscar Hernandez could contribute big time and carry the team in stretches. But when we're talking about a playoff series, the one player on the Mariners that I would expect to perform is Julio. And then you've got a lights out bullpen and a top three starter, um, top three starters who are very, very good with the potential to be dominant on any given night. So could the Mariners win multiple series if they made it? I believe they can. Could the Mariners win a World Series with this team as it's constructed? Uh, I think the 1.4% chance that Fangrass is giving them is accurate. Um, and I think it would be completely dependent upon Julio Rodriguez and his ability to step up on the biggest stage. So super fun. Um, Mariners are obviously ascending. Uh, pitching is, has been brilliant. I, the signs that we saw from George Kirby and uh, incorporating the splitter and throwing the slider more um, have been great. George Kirby is is – so good. And again, as I've said, a potential AL Cy Young candidate. Bryce Miller starting to throw a sinker is exactly what he needed. And he struck out 10 in the last or in his five innings on Sunday. Um, a lot of good signs from the Mariners. Julio's heated up. Uh, Tails hitting well. They, I think they're going to be a tough team to beat with an outside shot at the AL West. So again, having a lot of fun with this. Uh, we will be back tomorrow to preview the quick two-game series against the San Diego Padres. Uh, talk about a Stars and Scrubs team with the Padres, local boy Blake Snell. Um, so we'll be back tomorrow afternoon uh, with the Tuesday, July 8th Mariners cast. I appreciate the listen. Once again, this is the Mariners cast presented to you by Sports Ethos. You can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior 20. That's T I N O J R 20. And the podcast at Ethos Mariners, E T H O S M A R I N E R S. Take care, y'all. Enjoy this day off. Be back tomorrow to preview that Padre series. Take care. Peace.